Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we have another Q&A, Q&A part two. Yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag today. We thought we'd select um, a few different styled questions to be able to explore. I know last week we went more in, I guess, the training uh, coaching realm and this week's just a little bit of fun. Yeah, we were going to go with nutrition, but then we're like, eh, we've kind of done that a million and one times. But, you know, we'll keep bringing you nutrition content. But, you know, we love having a bit of fun as well and being a bit random. Um, And a lot of the questions are very, very randomized. So we did filter them through. Again, this was from Sherelle's Q&A box. So lots of marriage proposals, asking about kids (laughs) and all of that stuff. But we won't get into that. We'll, We'll get into the four that we picked today and see where we end up. Yeah, so the, straight off the bat, this is a very uh, interesting one and it's going to open up a bit of a broader conversation uh, for, for us to explore. But Andrea asked, have you had any type of surgery? Mm, straight into it. No, no. hi, how are you? Just tell me about <laughs> your deepest, darkest secret. Look, you're inviting it with your Q&A box, but man, it pisses <laughs> me off in the DMs. Oh, I sorry, know. that's my oh my God. privacy settings. What's your new, all right, you're raving about your Apple Watch. What's it saying? It's just looked up surgery. Um, oh, on, on what the, did it look up? What did it come uh, up It just with? said surgery in the definition, so let's just all forget that. Uh, there Apple you Watch go. theory coming into it. But I guess with the, <laughs> with the types of surgery, we're both very open with the work we have and had not um, had done. Like we yeah. did a whole episode on breast augmentation, for example, which both mm. my Danny and myself are very open sort of obvious that we've had that done apparently not though like people still ask you don't they yeah I guess so but good job your surgeon did a great job we've had our surgeon our surgeon we did share surgeons (laughs) (laughs) but we've obviously had that done but something I wanted to I guess talk about was just how common cosmetic surgeries have become over the last five to ten years and I feel as though personally I see so much more on social media and Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if one, it's becoming more accessible and affordable uh, for people. Two, it's becoming more normal. So it's just becoming common and a lot more people are just, you know, doing those sorts of things or whether it's becoming more accepted. So people are just talking about it. I'm not quite Mm -hmm. sure, but I just thought it was really interesting um, because these questions come in a lot and I feel like 10 years ago, they probably wouldn't have. Like no one would be asking what sort of surgeries we've had. No, different beauty standards. And I think a little bit of a case of monkey see, monkey do. I mean, I I wasn't thinking about getting my boobs done until, you know, a few of my closest friends around me did. And they loved it and they were so happy. And and then I think it just planted a seed in me. And, mm. and I, I got to learn a little bit more about it and what was involved and, you know, um, and then sort of made that decision there. And for me personally, I think I was influenced around my closest circles. I mean, as we all started sort of doing little bits and pieces here and there for our own reasons that, yeah, the, the information on the surgeries and procedures was more readily available. Um, it didn't seem like such a foreign thing. And then, mm. yeah, beauty standards continue to change as well. So there is a lot, lot in it. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, everything that we actually do, whether it's dye our hair, put makeup on, it doesn't matter. Everything that we do on our shell on the outside is actually for the outside world. Yeah, it makes us feel good, but why does it make us feel good? Because mm. we're accepted, because we're recognized. Like it sounds quite um, 
you know, superficial, but that's just part of being human, uh, unfortunately. So this is why it's really important. As much as we can say, make sure you're doing it for you, like make sure you're doing the the choice that you want, but then understand potentially why. And you've just highlighted that, Danny, like, oh, I'd like, I did become more aware of it. I did become mm. more known of it. It did become more accessible. I didn't know that I wanted that until I saw it. Yeah. You know? And this is why social media is so powerful. Like mm. I've noticed a lot of people, for example, have nose jobs um, recently. And to me, that used to seem like something that was a massive surgery, very expensive, like reserved for celebrities, like not yeah. something that everyday people were doing. And when you think about it, like every time we put a filter on, I noticed it slims your nose. Mm, it does, doesn't it? So if if the faces that we're seeing consistently are becoming augmented or distorted by what society wants us to see a face as, how do you think we feel looking at a mirror? Like mm. when we look back, we might see those things. And this is on a subconscious level, guys. You're not, you don't know that you're doing it. You just go, my nose is big. Um, yep. you, don't, you don't actually realize you just go, my boobs are small. Mm. Because mm. small to what? Like big to who? Big to yep. comparison. Yeah. And naturally, as you said, you know, it's, it's subconscious because we do always want to feel like we fit into a tribe and we're not ostracized for being different. Mm-hmm. So it's really our survival mechanisms coming up to play. And yeah, I mean, look, I'm all for it for the right person at the right time and the right reason yep. as well. And I know you are, are as well from personal experience, you know, being able to work on myself or have work on myself, for example, I'm, I'm open about getting some fillers and in my lips and Botox and all of that. And it just makes me feel good. And a lot of people have sort of been in my DMs at the start saying, you know, you're preaching health, but then you're putting these toxins in your head and all that or in your forehead. Yeah, I've had that a few times, particularly when I was on a phase of um, when we listened to Gabriella Rose's, um, we had her on the podcast and I was talking about, you know, throwing out plastics and all that. And we'll just ignore the plastic water bottle I've got here. (laughs) But then like, okay, you're putting in so much effort with plastics. What about the toxins that's actually in Botox and in lip fillers and, you know, all the silicon implants that are in there, but pick your poison and, and health comes in so many ways, shapes and forms that if it's going to help your mental health, Mm. you feel a bit better, you put yourself out there a bit more Then I'm all for it, to be honest. Yeah. Me too, to be honest. Mm. Like I'm all for people doing whatever the hell they want. Like who am I to tell anyone what to do with their life and body Mm. and vice versa. Um, I think it's just important to make people aware of why they're doing things as well. And again, they can make a more educated, informed decision based on being exposed to both sides of the argument as well. Because Mm. yeah, so often we just say, I feel shit. I feel ugly. I'm not good enough. And we think it's us. We think there's something wrong with us and it's, it's got nothing to do with us. It's got the like to do with who we're comparing ourselves to um, mm. nine times out of 10. So yeah, I think it's, um, I completely agree with you, Danny. Like everyone, I say it all the time, you do you boo. Like mm. so mm. for people doing whatever they want to um, with, with, I guess, informed consent and something that triggers me because I'm always on like both sides, got these like yeah. conflicting parts of me that's like, one of them's like watching the new Dove commercial. Um, oh, that can called- we talk a bit about that? 
Yes. Yeah, so I nearly cried, man. <laughs> I did, I did. And I was yeah. like, I need to share it. So there's a new commercial by Dove and they've done like a few of them with this theme. Uh, they're very smart with their marketing because they know the way the beauty industry is going because, mm. you know, for context, the way the beauty industry makes money is they make people feel insecure to buy things to fix their, like their, their problems. Yep. Um, that's the way most things work. They make mm. people feel uh, negative, sad, or ugly. And they yep. go, this product will fix that yeah. by the makeup. <laughs> Dove's sort of flicking it um, mm. and they're, they're putting out a different message. Um, and I think it's the right message, I believe. It's a good message. It's a very unique message. And this campaign was called, called Reverse Selfie. Mm. And basically it was like a young girl. And you can see it like her sort of, um, she's on social media and the comments and the likes and stuff saying that you're so pretty or whatever. And it's like reversing her appearance of her editing a photo pretty yes. much um so powerful. basically yeah very powerful like her um blurring out her pimples and her eyes and makeup and it's like undoing it all and then at yes. the end of it it shows her in her natural young state it is a little bit confronting when you see someone so young with a filter on like I see that all the time when people put filters on their babies and young kids it makes me feel oh my god bit, a little bit off right really? but then where's the line where is the line? And then, you know, little kids are like sponges to their yeah. the, their parents and the people they're surrounded. And um, all the kids are on TikTok these days, just scrolling and scrolling. And it's quite mm. scary because the things that are on TikTok, it's just, mm. it's alarming. Um, I'm all about, you know, finding a way that makes you feel comfortable within yourself. But what you often notice is the people that are getting the most work done or, or just are never satisfied are the ones that are the most insecure. So we might look on the outside and say, wow, that person's beautiful, yeah. quote unquote, what what our um, vision of beauty is. But on the inside, they're probably hurting and not satisfied. Yeah, which, of course, Take Comprep, yeah. for example, we're the most shredded. We've got abs, which is what everyone's yeah. goal is for some reason. Um, and that's when we feel like we need to check our bodies the most. When, yeah. when we're looking the best, we feel the most insecure and that's when we're comparing the most and all of that. So yeah, what's going on um, in their head is probably a lot different. And then you see people who don't have access to, to this kind of medical procedures and all of that, you know, in third world countries, but they're owning their beauty for what they are naturally. So it really is about um, perspective as well. So yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, very tricky. And I think um, the really important thing for me is just that I, I get worried about the direction that everything goes in because it's sort of like where's it stop and then you catch yourself um, taking a photo without any filter in bad lighting and being like, oh, you know, mm. because you're so used to seeing everything look so airbrushed and there's no texture to skin and makeup looks perfect. Like something actually, I was getting my makeup done a couple of weeks ago by a makeup artist and she was taking some photos for social media and um, she was like, just going to upload those ones. And I was like, oh, you don't edit them or anything. And she's like, nah, it's like my biggest pet peeve is like so many makeup artists will airbrush and augment the makeup that they're already mm. doing. Mm. And it sets unrealistic expectations of what people want out of makeup. Yes. And I, I'd never thought about it like that because you know how you, you save all the makeup photos on your phone and go, I want this. And then when you get it done, it's like underwhelming if you're comparing yourself to someone else who's been completely airbrushed. True. And, and that's a different industry, right? Yeah. Because she's like, no, like makeup will have lines in it. Like makeup won't look perfect. You will still see pores. Yeah. But unfortunately, everyone edits it and it sets unrealistic mm. expectations and a worse outcome for me as a business. And I was like, 
wow, that's really powerful. But we yep. don't do that in the fitness industry, do we, at all? Um, oh, and- angles and Photoshop. I feel like people still No, I mean can. the opposite. The opposite. Oh, that, as that's, in, that's yeah. Standards and then for, say, for example, you only post those photos and people see you in real life and you feel worse because you're like, oh, I don't look like my Instagram. Yeah. So I'm saying showing both sides is important for self-worth yeah. and business. Yeah. You know, it's not just one way. Um, and the other thing is like, I haven't, I've, I've tried really hard to not use filters for like, I think it's been nearly a year now. Well but done. there's always been moments where I've wanted to, you know. Okay. Or, what are those moments? Like, just say I'm having like a bad skin day, you know, mm. and I've got a breakout. Like, no one wants to have a breakout. No. And not it would fun. be easier for me to put a filter on. Are we good. are we counting Paris as a filter? Let's just make this clear. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I am. Ah, my <laughs> thumb automatically does Paris. It's like photo Paris. It, you blink and it's on. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's really easy and I'm not saying that that's wrong at all. I'm just saying something I said to myself a year ago was no. Like I was like, mm. I don't want to use that to make me feel better. I want to get used to seeing myself like that. Yeah. Um, but like every now and then I'll just like the filters will be down the bottom. And like, if I accidentally click on one, I'm like shocked at how different I look now. Whereas they were the ones that I were using regularly 12 months ago. Yeah. I didn't really see it. I deleted all the ones that change your eyes and nose and face. I'm like, I'm not even going to have this saved in my camera because it's just stupid. Like, and I know little kids use filters just for a laugh. And like I used to when I was younger, not Mm -hmm. that we really had all that, but we had apps that would swap faces and that. But then there is a fine line for when it becomes more than a laugh for a young kid. Cause you know, the ones that put like butterflies around their head and all the cute stuff, but the butterfly one still might change your face a little bit, whatever. But like on that dove ad, like I want everyone to go and watch that because it is so powerful, Mm. but we're also not here to put shame on the beauty industry because you know, we need you as well. We get our nails done. We do all those things. Oh yeah. But again, it's just about everyone stepping back and saying, Hey, why do I feel like I want this done? Yeah. Is it a phase? Will I get over it in a year? Because a lot of, I know a few people that have actually had their breast implants removed mm. or they've had the conversation, you know, in our chat group amongst girls, oh, maybe I'll get this done. Maybe I'll get that done. Um, but then sort of time goes on and they go, oh my God, I'm glad I didn't get that done. Like, what was I thinking? Can so, I ask when mm. they've had the, um, like the explant done, what was their, uh, like, I guess, what was the common thing that's coming up as to why they chose to do that? I think people, as soon as you disassociate with the implant, it feels like there's something gross inside you and foreign, and they just want to do a cleanse. It often comes with a life cleanse. Um, yeah. I, a lot of people do talk about breast implant illness, and it is very much yeah. a real thing, but I feel like that can also be taken out of context. But from the, the small people that I will talk about, I think it just came from the back end of them realizing, hang on, I didn't actually really want the boobs. I kind of rushed into it. I'm not really happy with my life at the moment. I want to just sort of start everything again. And then Mm. it was the removal of anything artificial that accompanied that as Mm. well. 
Yeah, it was quite interesting. And, and they they seem very happy right now. Yeah. But they made that choice. If I got mine out, I wouldn't be happy. So just, you know, case by case. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, because I think um that that's not really spoken about a lot, right? Like everyone's mm. willing to share their story of getting implants. Um, but then the removal or getting out or whatever it might be, whether it is because of personal reasons and wanting something different, like you said, a fresh start and feeling like that's associated with an old version of you yes, um, or something like um, breast implant uh, illness that you referred to that's a bit nuanced but definitely still real mm. um, and prevalent. So, yeah, I just feel that's not spoken about a lot. And, mm. you know, you get a nose job, you can't undo that at the end of the day. Yeah, you can't really, oh, I suppose, who knows? You can bloody do everything I'd imagine. But there are Facebook groups, but I am very wary of being in a Facebook community with one strong message because I feel like you'll end up just, you know, conceding to that message. So if you're thinking about removing something or changing something and you go in a group and Mm. that's all they're talking about, you'll end up making the decision. So just be mindful of where you look for your communities and research and everything as well. Yeah, Um, for sure. Absolutely. If you look, you will find. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it's a very it's a very hard conversation sometimes because we never want to come across as one side um, either. Like yeah. we, we're both very open minded, um, and we don't really, at the end of the day, it's other people's lives. We don't really care. Uh, mm. It's just our opinion. Yeah, yeah. One of the best things, to be honest, for me as a child was actually getting braces. To be honest, and oh, yeah. it was life changing because mm-hmm. I had very prominent um, front teeth. So like buck teeth. And I could actually fit half of my thumb uh, behind my front two teeth. Like that's how much they stay. Obviously we've got bigger thumbs now, but what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) No finger in my mouth. Yeah. And I had to go through a process where I wore a retainer that my jaw at nighttime would grow into. So to align more. Um, and I just was not confident to smile. And then for someone who's not confident to smile, it really affects yeah, your mental health. So I was a pretty sad kid, like, but then having braces. So that sort of um, procedure was really, 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 really life-changing for me. So mm-hmm. I think that's why I have a soft spot for people getting procedures that, you know, will have such a significant effect on their mental health, just because we've all sort of been there where you don't feel too good. And, you know, it's something that you can actually control in order to change that. I mean, we spend so much time in the gym on our bodies. Yeah. If getting your nails done, if doing, you know, little things or or big things, if it's going to allow you to be a better version of you without taking it too far, then yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, absolutely. You couldn't, I actually had never thought about braces as something, mm. but like what we spoke about at the start, almost everything that we do, like it's it's for the external, like anything that's external, it is usually for the opinions of others. But then also, as you mentioned there, like not being able to smile, like that mm. does have a physiological um, like consequence, I would imagine, because yeah. smiling like releases hormones that do make you happy. 100%. Um, and yes, like people have to get braces for other reasons as well that aren't cosmetic for sure, uh, but it is a big part of it. So mm. yeah, dental cosmetics is something that is becoming more common. Um, and I think it's the veneers yep. becoming very much more mainstream as well. Um, and it's too new for me to know, to be honest. Like I don't know people personally that have had them done, but I do see them pop up a lot more. And I was watching a, like a vlog the other day of someone that was getting them done. And 
it surprised me about how big of a procedure it actually is. Yeah. So I just thought it was something that just sort of plugged in, but they really do have to shave down your, all your natural teeth. Um, very, very small and it's an expensive procedure, very expensive. Um, and it's permanent for life. That's something that needs maintenance too. So nothing that we ever get done, whether it's implants or fillers, like they don't last forever and they need uh, like maintenance. They need mm. renewing. So I think as well, like before you ever jump into something like veneers or whatever it might be, even braces, right? It's a big cost with that. You need to understand that it is an ongoing expense almost for the rest of your life. Yeah, and then some things can't be reversed. So I yeah. know of a handful of people who have had veneers, some good friends of mine, and, you know, they've made that decision. Um, you know, sometimes one of your teeth can be damaged um, mm. or, or something happens with that tooth or it gets knocked out or something like that and you need them replaced. Veneers is an expensive way to do it, but good on you. Um, but, yeah, you can't undo the shaving down of teeth or yeah. you can't undo really a nose job or even laser people go to me well what happens if you know hair comes back into fashion I'm like well I I don't care like yeah I know I don't want I don't want that for me like I love people who are free and do whatever they want but it's like I understand that this is a permanent thing I'm making the decision now and you can't regret it because if it's the right decision for you at this point in time own it Mm. don't go back and say I wish I did this I wish I did that it's the right decision for you at this time you know the consequences you know it's a forever thing you have to own that yeah absolutely because at the end of the day you're going to find people for and against everything you decide to do in your entire life Mm -hmm. sometimes you want to know the right answer but you only have that on the inside and at the end of the day the person that has to have the consequences should be making the decision no one else like you need to be saying yes I'm going to accept that if I want veneers like this is an ongoing expense for the rest of my life because I can't go back to my natural teeth you know and that's the really important thing to be able to weigh up for yourself yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder what the trends will be in another 20 years, you know. Mm. Things seem to go. Like flares are coming cycle. back. 90s. How it. good. Oh, that's yeah. my fashion era though. Like I feel I was like, look, my fashion's coming back. That's what I said to him. <laughs> I've got this retro jacket that people have laughed at me for ages and I'm like, yes, not. <laughs> it's back in. Oh, my God. You actually was, you have been wearing that for years or that style. I remember because you got it as, at an op shop or something. Thing. I remember yep. someone asked on a Q&A and, yeah, found it at the op shop. Well, it's back. Nike it's copied back. you. It, that, Nike copied me. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> expensive. Expensive. Yeah. Um, how good. Yeah, what go goes me. around comes around. You know, like I don't think you could get me in flared jeans. I'm not sure. I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, but everything else, I'm here for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the big baggy jackets and the colours and all yeah. that. Yeah, keen for and... winter. I'm actually yeah. excited for winter this year. I'm sick of the hot. Are you sick of the heat? Well, I feel like I haven't had a summer up here in Sydney. It's been raining the whole time. It's been so And lovely. humid, though. Yeah. The amount of creepy crawlies I've discovered up here in Sydney. I was thinking about that on my morning walk when I nearly it's walked a creepy into... creepy crawly? <laughs> like a little insect, like a bug. Oh, like a gross... right. right. <laughs> Um, I was thinking of the device that we have in the pool at home. Oh, that's creepy a creepy crawling like, too. Okay. Yeah, but if you think page. they're both, they just slither around creepily. So yeah. like all the creepy crawlies, as I've discovered, I had a thought when I nearly walked into so many spider webs. The bugs in Sydney are so much bigger and scarier than in Melbourne that I'd hate to imagine what's up in Queensland. Oh, they grow. Yuck. 
I can't imagine. So um, what were we talking about? That's what I won't miss because with the no. mugginess and the heat yeah. comes the creepy crawlies and it's yep. like, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, winter and 90s vibes. Um, <laughs> maybe we should move on to question two. <laughs> yeah, we were worried that only four questions wouldn't go that long, but we never cut things short. It's so not. here we go an hour later. Ooh, anonymous. We'll keep this one anonymous. How do you deal with a partner who doesn't support your goals. Yeah, really challenging. And I I believe we've spoken about this a couple of times because it is quite common, to be honest. Like you're not going to have everyone uh, back everything that you do, but it's really difficult when it's the people that you care about, when it's family, um, when it's partners, uh, when it's people that are, you know, that mean a lot to you and that you respect and care for their opinion. Uh, And I can only imagine like having a partner that doesn't support you in something, it must be really hard. So my Mm. first question actually, actually, I guess, back to you would be like, is it unreasonable or is it reasonable? Like what, what is the goal? What are they not supporting you with? Like context Mm. is really important when it comes to that. Um, because like we are by no means, uh, experts in relationships. Why? We're doing all right. We're doing all right. But (laughs) you know, there's always like, there's been challenging chapters, right? Like there's, there's always going to be challenging chapters and what works for us might not work for you guys, because it Mm. really does depend on the actual context, but I can probably speak from my own experience. And I feel like we could do that, Danny, and that might help. Um, when it comes to like health and fitness, for example, like obviously competing and the lifestyle that we have and even business, um, it's a very, very like, big goal there's lots of ambition in there and there's Mm. been lots of times where I've had to be quite selfish um at the expense of my relationship with Luke like sometimes where you know dinner nights didn't go ahead and Mm. time extra time at the gym and you know no time to travel and you know it can put tension on relationships if you don't have your partner supporting that uh, and just fully backing you like they've got to be so on board and I would not be where I am if I didn't have Luke's support. There is absolutely mm. no way in hell. One, because if he didn't support me competing, I probably wouldn't have competed, okay. um, to be honest. I love I that. I've gone through with it because mm. priorities, to be honest, like yep. competing is not something that is like above my relationships. Amazing. But I haven't actually been put in that situation because Luke's always supported me, but there's absolutely been compromise in that along the way. Mm. You've got to give, 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 ask, take, ask for support, give more. It can't always be take, take, take out of a relationship. No way. We all have our needs no Mm. matter what. And I think, you know, context for what you said, is your goal something that you know, will not help the relationship, whether you're spending a lot of time away, whether it's an act that is against your values or their values, you need to talk about what the goal is. And I think communication is always number one. You know, people say communication is key for a reason. Um, You both need to understand why you have this goal, why it's important, where it can take you in the future. For example, you guys with you competing, um, you know, now Luke works with you, which is amazing. That's just how supportive he is, which is great. Um, And competing is helping you to build your future in the fitness Mm -hmm. industry. So there's a big vision for the short-term pain. And I think it's, or compromise, and I think it's important to communicate that. But it also helps like for us to take ownership and be confident in ourselves Mm -hmm. because if one 
person is really confident and go-getter and then the other person is a bit shy and feels left behind and doesn't have a purpose, that's never going to work. So we need to somehow allow them to feel confident as well in their thing that they're good at because not everyone loves fitness or the Mm -hmm. gym, but they might like something else. And Mm -hmm. even if you don't like that thing, it's important for you to show or at least pretend to show interest in them as well because it's not fair on one person to always have the spotlight. That's what I've noticed. Um, Mm. But, yeah, so just because they're not interested in what you're doing potentially, um, you need to try and allow them to feel special and, like, they have their thing that they do as well. That's what I've really learned. Yeah, something that I found really helpful is, like, when I first started getting into competing or whenever I'm about to start a prep like now, I acknowledge to Luke how selfish it is and Mm. this time has to be about me to be able to achieve the goal that I want to be able to work towards. So I don't sort of, like, throw it under the rug. It's like, oh, no, I'm just doing this thing and everything else will be fine and nothing else is going to have to give Mm. because I know that with a big goal comes sacrifice from both parties. So I think acknowledging like if there's a big goal that you're going through or something that you're working towards, or if there's something that's going to take a lot of you, acknowledging that that's going to happen, but you need their support. Like I want to do this thing. Can you please help with me to support me? Cause I need that like involving them with the journey. So it's not like I'm going to do all this on my own and like, I don't need you go off and do something Mm. else. Mm. Like me acknowledging, like I need your help to be able to be my best and get through this successfully. Yeah. Then at the end, I will give back. And I think that is so important. Like there might be four to six months of the year where I'm like laser focused. It's sort of like, I've got to do the things and Luke understands that. But then at the end of the year or during his time, I'm like, yeah, you want to go home? That's fine. Let's go. You know, you want to go on holiday? We'll book that. You know, and I give back. It's not just always about me. I think it's so important to do that. Otherwise they just feel like what, like what about them? And like you said, Danny, Mm. it's, it's a two way street. It has to be. 100%. 100%. I think I when I was competing, I was always single, probably because I just dodged that bullet completely. Yep. I didn't want to deal with it. I tried dating, but it was just too hard doing for me yep. doing first dates while in a comp prep. A, I yep. didn't really care about them. B, first dates normally involve dinner, drinks, things like that, and, yep. and staying up late and all of those things I could not or did not want to do. Um, but now that I'm with Paul, obviously he's a competitor, which is going to be so interesting because he wants to do another comp prep. Mm. And I've, when he said that he wants to do another comp rep, I felt some resistance, which mm. is so weird. I'm like, oh no, I'm going to have to deal with all this. Um, but, you know, as everything that you said, I completely agree with. It's about the support. But then if we're doing a goal that's a little bit hard or painful or whatever, don't complain about it 24-7. Keep some, yes. like, obviously your partner's there to discuss hardship with, hey, I'm struggling with this, I need help or a hug or whatever, but don't be the person that chooses to do something and then just complains the whole time about it because no one wants to hear that. I know right. I wouldn't. Um, I would never start a comp prep and then spend every day saying how much I dread it and having a really poor, bad energy about life because mm. that's very contagious. Once you commit to a partner, you share the same atoms, you become energy, you become that person. So, yeah, I think, mm. um, and as you mentioned before, don't make them hate the process, right? 
Yep, so important. And if someone's not supporting you in something, maybe get curious and ask why. Because, for example, if it's competing, a lot of partners don't support their girlfriend because they care about them and they don't want them to show off their body in a certain way because they're insecure about potentially losing them as a girlfriend. Or your parents, Ooh, yeah, if they don't want you to leave your career and start mm. an online business, why? They want you to have stability because they care for you and they want you to have mm. like wealth and, and you know, not be in an unstable position potentially like they've been in the past. So it's also about being curious about why are they not supporting me? What are they trying to protect me from? How can I give them that reassurance that that's going to be okay? So yeah. when I first, like I was with Luke before I started all of this competing or anything, he always jokes. He's like, I was with you before the boobs. Don't you ever forget it. Ah, <laughs> good man. <laughs> but because we had built such that strong foundation from the start that he yep. knew who I was and he trusted me and like, it was very different back then. You know, it wasn't mainstream like it is now. It wasn't no. common. It was, it was uncommon. Mm. Um, he trusted me and I, because I, I earned that trust with him, you know, and, and yeah, bad thing. Um, if there was insecurities there, if there wasn't a really tight relationship, if there wasn't open communication, like I'm sure he would have questioned me along the way and said, why are you doing this? I don't want you to. Mm. Um, so it's also about getting curious about what do they need from me to be able to support me going through this because it could be something Mm. as simple as a conversation um a bit of reassurance um or a bit of trust building like it's just about getting curious about what they actually need yeah and if someone makes the goal to better themselves whether you've got you're living with a partner i know the question says partner but even like family members automatically it becomes a big mirror reflection on them and each person yes they're happy for you but straight away it becomes a mirror on them oh my god like Mm -hmm. this person's gonna get really fit oh I'm not that fit even I um thought that when Paul's like yeah I'm gonna do a comp prep straight away naturally I'm like fuck what am I gonna have to do should I do a photo shoot I'm not gonna compete again but maybe I'll get lean you just straight away go through these things naturally and there's no insecurity here on both sides but it just becomes a mirror and I can now understand why when I was um still living at home with mom and posing in the mirror and looking you know really lean and all that it was a bit uncomfortable for her because it's yeah not saying that she's insecure or anything but any tiny insecurities can be brought up and reflected um she probably thought shit should I maybe be going to the gym or should I be doing this like it just becomes a bit weird so it's important to acknowledge that that mirror effect actually does happen um and naturally people a lot of people in in relationships that aren't that strong would rather Mm. just not support the person and not put effort in themselves and try and stop them from doing the goal because that's easier than everyone putting in effort so just be mindful of that as well people try and um talk you out of your goals too if they Mm. just don't want to make the effort themselves yeah when it comes to relationships and people that are really close to you it can be hard to not get emotional or or Mm. let your feelings take over as well if someone says no you can't do that if someone said no you can't do that to me that i cared about i would get hot i would be like why Mm. why are you stopping me from doing this Mm. and that's the way my body would respond to me so it's really important to not allow that to verbalize for you because you can't fight fire with fire as well. And if you can approach that from a curious lens, again, being like, 
What are they trying to protect me from here? Why do they feel insecurity for me doing that and potentially themselves? What reassurance can I give them? How can I de-escalate this so they can support me? And something you mentioned, like two great strategies is one, just making sure that they understand the process Mm. um, that you're going through and they can support it. Like you Mm. said, if you relate the comp prep, which is something I did, back to personal development, self-development and seeing what my potential is, not external validation of a stage, a Mm. placing or anything else. Mm. Um, Of course, they're going to want to support that, you being your best version. So it's about really clarifying what that is and also communication, which is the other thing that is so vital. Like, yes, you want to communicate when when things get tough and when you need additional support, but you don't want to complain about every dropping calories or every training session or anything like that you Mm. want them to see you thrive um, through adversity and challenge and step up in the goal so they can actually vividly see the outcomes of your hard work and support it further Yeah. yeah really big on that one yeah and and just praise them on something they're good at that you're not good at I don't know whether it's a sport or a game or cooking or anything just pay special attention to their thing and and praise them. It depends on what your love language is though. Um, Have you explored your love language before? Or do you know about that? My, I buy things all the time for people. Mine's giving. Uh, I buy things a lot. Yeah, so we've got a love language. Yeah, we've got one, a love language that we give and one that we get. So presence is one. Words of affirmation and praise. I love you. You look amazing, blah, blah, blah. Acts of service. Um, and quality time. So what do you like getting from other people? Do you like gifts as well or you just give gifts? I just give gifts. I don't really, no, I'm not that materialistic. Um, what were the other ones? So they were, oh, I like praise. I think positive. Okay. I like that one. I like sort of being um, like reaffirmed that I'm not doing the right thing or. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one that lands for me. Um, the, it's funny because I like gifting people stuff, but Luke likes like the quality time, the words, like he loves uh, just a card for his birthday, you know, like doesn't okay. want to just like card, like just with words on it. Whereas yeah. that's not my language. So I definitely have to bend and be like, okay, Luke doesn't want an expensive gift. He wants me to sit down and write a card. Yeah, see, good. It's good that you can work that out though because, and from personal experience, people can get so mixed up. Some Someone who loves praise, maybe their partner thinks that, you know, cleaning the house is the act of service because I love acts mm. of service. Paul's been making the bed and cleaning some things and it's just I would rather him do that than say I love you a million and one times in a day. <laughs> I would just um because in my head he might think, hey, like I'm, I'm telling Danny that I love her so much, blah, blah, blah. But in my head I'm like, you're telling me all these things, but you haven't made the bed. You know what I mean? (laughs) So making the bed to me is like him saying, I love you type thing. So you can't get mixed up with that because you might be showing your version of love to someone, um, but they might not receive it as love. They're Mm. waiting for something else. So everyone look up love languages. It's so important and so fascinating and it's pretty fun. But when you have to do something that you don't really do, like from what you said, instead of buying a gift, Luke wants you to write a card. It can be a little bit uncomfortable because it's not our love language, but it works. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's Mm. like, really, when you say it, like it's self-awareness. You know what I mean? Like self-awareness for yourself, but then self-awareness for your partner. Do you know what I mean? Like Luke like knows everything about how I function. You know, we mm. spend so much time together. He knows what makes me tick. I'd be mm. concerned if he didn't. But when if you don't have a little bit of awareness about, you know, what makes your partner tick, 
that's why getting curious about why do they feel that way? Why, what are they sort of trying to protect me from? What, why mm. won't they support me? How can I, you know, it's really just about getting curious and building more self-awareness. And this is the same with your parents, for example. They yeah. love you. doesn't mean they want to support you and everything because they love you, yeah. not because they like, they don't want you to go for your dreams. So mm-hmm. it's just really important that we we detach ourselves from the emotions of feeling threatened and held back um, and approach it from a lens of curiosity and self-awareness. Yeah. Just a question before we move on. Obviously, you guys now work together and, and Paul and I are starting to work together a little bit more. How do you guys deal with, like, do you have time apart or do you schedule, like, how do you deal with all the time that you are spending together? Yeah, good question. I think um, training is a big one for me, like where I yep. physically leave and I go and get, I guess, you know, let adrenaline out in the gym. If I have a good mm. session, I'm in a good mood. Um, Luke has his gaming, loves his gaming, mm-hmm. and I'm more leaning it towards letting him do his thing and fill up mm. his cup in his own way. Um, and I think it's more so just about the the hat that I'm wearing when we're in different situations. So, you know, during the day when we're doing business matters, we're business partners and, you know, it's that dynamic. Um, Whereas like at the end of the day, we're sitting on the couch watching maths, you know, I'm the girlfriend or, you know, we're out and about, like I'm I'm that girlfriend too. And it's just Mm -hmm. about making sure that I'm not always boss Sherelle or I'm not always like businesswoman mode. And also for me, like I'm obviously heavily passionate about my business and direction that I'm going in. And Luke is true, but not to the degree I am because it's my baby at the end of the day. It's the women's health movement. And Luke's a big part of it. Don't get Mm -hmm. me wrong. But I also refrain from just constantly talking about it. Yeah, you probably would. Yeah, even though I want to, you know, Mm -hmm. so I'll talk about and I want to just go on that tangy, but I'm like, no, we're out for breakfast. Like I just, let's have this space. So, so it's important. been a massive adjustment. Don't get me wrong. It's not always the way it goes. Sometimes it's like, oh God, we just, you know, need to leave this here. Um, yeah. But I'm really big on like boundaries, for example, of like not talking about business in the bedroom and yeah. trying to like, you know, we have separate offices when my door's mm. shut, it means like I'm busy and like I need to get my things done. And yeah. Yeah. So I think you just, you just working together, you learn about what makes each other tick. I can read from his body language when it's like, don't talk to him, <laughs> you know, yeah. let him process, um, yeah. let him, let him go through things in a way that feels right for him um, rather than what feels right for me. What about That's, you guys? Oh, you just nailed everything. That was perfect. But I think um, boundaries is number one, because yeah, we're all equally as passionate about our projects, but you know, if I just wake up, I might not be ready to start talking about work as soon as my eyes are open and all of that. So you do need to read when now is, as you said, a time to talk about work and then a time to just talk shit and be in a relationship and do all the silly things and fun things as well. Um, But then, yeah, I think you just learn that with one another because we've, well, we've lived together nearly a year now and um, boundaries is good, but then no matter how much time you do spend together, it's still important just to, like you said, Luke does his gaming, Paul does a little bit of gaming, but um, sometimes we train separately as well because we used to do everything together, Mm. which is good. But then I think that minimizes um, the way in which you can develop as an individual. You you start to merge into the same person saying the same thing. So it's still important for, you know, me to have my morning time and um, when Paul's asleep and then Paul to have his evening time when I'm asleep. So I think that's just so important, but yeah, pretty much everything that you said. (laughs) Have you ever heard of um, a DISC profile? 
Oh, only from you, but tell the listeners. Yeah, it's sort of like, um, you know, how you can get like, you know, I think it's Joanna Briggs and like other characteristics. This is one pretty much just for work and business. And it basically divides up in four different types of like archetypes or whatever you want to call them. And it's like a pretty comprehensive test. And we've done it with like all of our staff and myself and Luke personally. It tells you what sort of person you are, how you best work, um, Mm. like those types of things. And basically that disc stands for the D stands for dominance and it's got like a list of traits of like the sort of person you are. You're definitely a D. <laughs> I was going to ask you which one I wear. Then there's an I. Um, I stands for influence. And by the way, you can be a mix. So your dot okay. can be in the middle somewhere and be a bleed of them. Um, S stands for steadiness um, in the disc mm. and C, I'll screw this up. C stands for conscientiousness. Um, <laughs> that's a big word. How's which is more like analytical and private and systematic and all that sort of stuff. So I am right in the middle of a DI, like I'm mostly D, but I'm also got um, the I part of me too. So I'm a DI and Luke is an SC, complete opposite side. And they actually say like in business, like you, like opposites attract and like Luke pulls the the area really well that I can't do, which is the steadiness and the systemizing and the analytics. I don't do that. I'm Mm. the direct influence like visionary person so yep, great. doing things like that and us getting like reports <laughs> literally mm. to be able to see how we, we think function I can depersonalize Luke saying to me go away I just need to process this put it into a sheet that's a good idea it. and then yeah. I'm going no just like let's go go, go. like mm. we can get away from that because I understand that I'm a D and I need direction I'm dominant I make the decisions I push problems and I find solutions whereas Luke needs time to think and rationalize and problem solve in his own way in a very good calm way so yeah yeah, it takes a takes a little bit of like getting used to right Luke and I've been working together for you know nine months or something like that it's these little things that we've done to be able to enhance like I guess our own self-awareness at the end of the day I love that. And even if it does take a report for someone to objectively say, hey, that's me, then that's great. And Mm. there's a reason why you use it with your employees and people do as well. And that's just like when when you're hiring someone, uh, like depending on the job, it's a different personality type. Like someone who's an accountant will have a different personality type to a makeup artist or, you know, things like that. So it is important to realize that when it is your partner, sometimes you just want to be like, don't you see it how I see it? Yeah. You yeah. know, we kind of forget that people are, have their own personality type and way of learning and all that. Mm-hmm. So you have to separate your partner mm-hmm. um, from that relationship as well. But that's really cool. Maybe I'll have to do one. Yeah, you guys should. Because so mm-hmm. often we like, you can probably guess I'm, I'm dominant, right? But then when I can read the report of where my eye dot actually falls in the circle and I do have the characteristics of the eye as well and how I can use that to my advantage, like my strengths and my limitations. Mm. Um, it's really surprising because like for a staff, for example, you think you know someone, but then when you actually read their report, you're like, oh, wow, like I would have thought you would have been a D, but you're more of like a, a strong eye, yeah. you know? So 
you can probably do it with your partner, um, but, you know, with more staff, more colleagues, other people, like you can make assumptions. Yeah. They're just your assumptions based on the yeah. part that you fall in at that given time. So things mm. like that really help me. But I would be so surprised. I won't guess what you are, but I'd be, I reckon you'd be more along the Luke style of like a. You reckon? Uh, I, reckon I reckon I'm D. I'm, I'm a control freak, man. You've got D, but yeah. I would I would be really surprised about where your dot actually falls because yeah. I that's why we work well together. Interesting. Yeah, true. I do let you become more of a D when you're around me. <laughs> it's funny because I'm the D. A lot of a lot of my coaches are D's, like strong D's as well. And like Luke's like the the complete opposite to all of us. So he'll come in and be like, "Now is that the D speaking in all of you?" Or and I'm like, <laughs> "You're Damn, all it's D's." So right. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you would be. Um, different in different scenarios so our dynamic is different to the dynamic I have with our staff and things like that sometimes I love taking the back seat um, but then others you know when to show up so it would be interesting mm. if it's for different scenarios which would make sense yeah well you you can be one thing and you can lean into other areas too mm. meaning that the more self-aware you are I can be an uh, an s in situations for sure when you need to be right when I need to be mm. it's just about you will default to one will come naturally um, but I feel like as you grow as a person you learn how to control other aspects and lean into it as well so it's really interesting when you um because yeah I've, I've said that I've done it a couple of times it's always come back the same mm. other questions the same every time no Ah, cool. Mm. I love all that stuff. And then you've got yeah, like your star signs and personality types and all that. I, I I do follow along all that stuff, but then I feel like we can become influenced by a label as well. Yeah. So not to undo it. Like for example, me being a Leo, I wear that. I've literally got it on my neck on a, mm. on a thing, but then I don't want that to be an excuse for any poor behavior no. or, you know, star signs and yeah, like being an overthinker. Oh, well, that's just my star sign or being a Taurus yep. like full on and emotional well that's just because you're a Taurus like you can use it but don't let that be an excuse for poor yes. behavior as well yeah you know there's actually because I, I love the star sign um, yeah they are stuff cool. as well. I'm Aquarius and they show like Leo and Aquarius have really good relationships together uh, they work really well because I know that some um, Eugene's a Leo as well okay. and yeah, I could see that in him but when we were reading up about the dynamic between an Aquarius and a Leo because Leo is like fire and yeah Aquarius is more like water yeah and, um. which I'm not calm but it's got nothing to do with like the traits I guess but it's so interesting when you read up about those relationships and put it all together and put things together as to why they do work I yep. think it's interesting I think there's merit in it but as you said I'm a D on the disc profile I'm a DI <laughs> I can't get over it. I'm, I'm, a D. D. <laughs> I'm a DI but that doesn't mean that I can't be patient exactly you can't just like have a crack at Luke and go, oh, it's just because I'm a D. Like that's my personality type. I'm allowed to be like this. Mm. That's when people take it too far. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not an excuse for poor, poor behavior. It's a mirror to make you like enhance what you do well um, yeah. and be aware of your limitations. It's not like a permission slip. Yeah. Very good. Wow. Didn't expect it to go that tangent. Um, <laughs> how good. Should we go to the third question? We Jeez, shall. We shall. Our episode. <laughs> go for it. So Sophie Ma asked, how do you manage stress in a deficit? So really good question. Um, going back to, I guess, the nutrition side of it. 
being a deficit, like obviously a calorie deficit being a dieting phase, something we often refer to about um, like when it comes to stress is dieting in itself or putting your body through any physical change, it's going to be a stressor. Like even a calorie surplus, like that's a stressor on the body. So something to keep in mind is like when you're starting any dieting phase or changing anything, you should like ideally have yourself in an optimal place of health and well-being physically and mentally and this Mm. is something I like to check with like clients but then also myself like am I ready to go through this extreme dieting phase like physically mentally socially environmentally like are all my ducks in order so that when I put this stressor on my life I'm resilient enough and my body and mind is resilient enough to be able to actually tolerate it and Mm. I think a lot of the times people are not in a good state to diet like no matter what the stress is like they think that they'll put the diet on and everything else will be fine but it's like yes if you're if if I asked what's your stress level out of 10 and you said six like or seven it's like well no of course you shouldn't diet like Mm. you need things to be managed and in order and that's a hard reality and a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow. Mm. Um, I don't mind saying it to people because I think it's our, our responsibility as coaches to make sure clients are in a good state to be compliant and recover well and have a resilient body and not develop like disordered ways of eating or thinking about their body because they're not in the right physical and mental state. Yeah, a lot of people um, want to go in a calorie deficit as a way to uncover an area of their life they're not happy with, for example, a relationship off the back of what we were talking about um, or another stress in their life, in their job and all of that. And they kind of think, well, if I just get lean or just get in shape, it's going to fix everything, like what you were saying earlier, but it really doesn't. And the more stressed you are before the diet, the harder you'll have to diet and the harder you'll have to work because when we're stressed, we hold fluid, we hold weight. The body doesn't want to let go of fat. Um, So it is really important. Yeah, as you said, set yourself up for success, but don't let that be a barrier for you taking action as well. Because how many times have we heard with people reaching out, oh, I can't commit to 16 weeks because I've got this on and then I'm going to have that and it's just not. So you need to take initiative and say, hey, is this event that's going to happen in the process really going to get in the way or is this just an excuse? Mm. So you have this, yeah, you've got to find that middle ground between the two extremes, I think. Yeah, perfect timing for anything never really exists. But you mm. you sort of have to do a bit of pre-work when it comes oh, to like yeah. putting yourself under physical stress. Um, mm. When it comes to like dieting, for example, I'm sort of really big on making sure that you spend enough time at maintenance or a surplus. And I know you are too, Danny. Like, mm-hmm. for example, I'm in a small surplus at the moment. And like, I'm a little bit uncomfortable, but yeah. I, know what's, I know what's coming. And I know that this is like what I need to do to make sure that my body has the capacity to go through a dieting phase um, physically, but then also psychologically. And I think as well, when we look at stress, are we really talking about physical stress? Probably not. I mean, like there's, there's athletes out there that put huge amounts of physical stress on their body, but the difference is they are resilient enough Mm. physically and mentally to manage it and to cope with it. And a lot of people, like we have stressful lives. We don't have like, you know, chefs in our kitchens and masseuses on hand and Mm. all these things, but that's the reality. You know, you can't compare your recoverability to a top level athlete because they've done so much pre-work to be able to get to that state. So you've got to really like step back and have a look in the mirror and say, well, if I want to balance stress, what are the things I need to prioritize and manage at the moment? 
You know, yeah. how can I make sure that I have more time in my day? How can I slow down? How can I fuel my body better? How can I build muscle and, and do this in the hour so that I'm not trying to grind through a dieting phase? Yeah. It just comes down to like intelligent um, pre-work, right? And seeing that the diet isn't the chapter one, right? Like chapter one is like, like you know, maintenance and then chapter setting two yourself is like up. Yeah, set yourself up. Cha- mm. Dieting is like chapter five. Yeah. You know? So you yeah. don't have to cut calories to do the processes and the pre-work. It should already be quite ingrained and that's how you yeah. set yourself up. And sometimes you don't even have to touch your diet to start losing weight. If you, all the things that you said, if you rest more, mm. you know, um, taking things off your plate and not over committing and having a million and one things to do. Um, if you work on your mental state, you will, you will naturally drop a bit of weight. I think we've both been in positions where you get a real, like in comprep when we were measuring everything to a T, you'd have a really good night's sleep and you'd wake up lighter. So things like that, we didn't change our calories. The variable in that 24-hour block was um, getting more sleep. So I think people need to educate themselves on what it actually takes for a successful, happy, healthy calorie deficit Mm. um, before you even start. And we did talk about this in depth on a podcast, a few podcasts ago where we were talking about um, being in a calorie deficit and Mm. how to set yourself up and and the environment. But I found it um, fun, if you don't mind me sharing, that you sort of asked, hey, Danny, I've never been in a comp prep while running my own business. Like, what do you think? What, What are your tips? And I go, Sherelle, if you can make it through night shift, doing a comp prep this is going to be so much better you are now in control of your day within reason um but yeah there's just some big variables that sometimes you can't change but it's not like you said oh I'm a shift worker I'm not going to compete like you made it work but your hard work and your work ethic it's paying off and now you've put yourself in a position that's a little bit more favorable to that comp prep so I just want to reward you for that because that's so awesome Thanks, girlfriend. And that was the reassurance that I needed as well. Like um, it's different. And when lifestyles change, you know, we need to approach things a little bit differently as well. And I definitely feel like like going through comp preps and things like that, doing it probably in the most unpractical way um, around, it, it does give me confidence. So it's like, yeah, when things are in order, like it won't be as stressful as you anticipate it uh, or potentially that it has been. Mm. Uh, something I did want to touch on though, because I, I see a trend coming through with my own clientele is like, really demonizing stress is such a negative thing and it's important to make sure that stress is normal stress is we Mm. put our body under stress when we go to the gym if we didn't have a sympathetic um, activation or response in our nervous system would be dead Uh, so (laughs) it's just about balancing it and realizing that yes stress is going to come in so how what do I need to do what or what don't I need to do um, to make sure I can balance it and there's Mm. a really good book um, and a really good um, TED talk as well that I shared with a lot of my girls called the upside of stress Uh, and it's by Callie McDonald uh, and she it's a whole book but she has like a 15 minute TED talk talking about the upside of stress and I guess reframing it in our mind of like this because everyone goes oh, I don't want to get stressed I'm going to avoid the stress and then doing certain activities to avoid the stress makes them more stressed more stressful trying to avoid it yeah, yeah and it's just like going around in circles. so <laughs> it's about like not only trying to yeah like control stress but improve your relationship with it too like yeah. I know that like during this prep, I know that during life, I know during business, I know during relationships that there's going to be really stressful um, periods, but I know that I'm resilient enough to manage it and that's okay. 
Amazing. And thank you for sharing that TED Talk and the name as well. That's awesome. I'll definitely have to have a listen as well. Um, And I think low-level amounts of stress are like a superpower because it's that activation energy that makes you do the work or do the assignment or go to the gym. Mm. It's energy that's a build-up to allow you to take action. It's just when it's constantly running that it becomes an issue. But brilliant point because I think people are so fixated on something being bad through messaging and how to avoid this, how to avoid that, that when it does happen, people Mm. panic, you know, take the whole pandemic for an example. But now people are at the point where if you'd get a runny nose, it'll be the end of the world or a sore throat. Oh my God, I'm sick. Like, but have we forgotten the past 30 years or however old we are of getting tonsillitis, getting sore throats, Mm. having lung infections, like, it was never an issue then, but then we were conditioned to say that all these symptoms yeah. are bad. Yeah. If I have a runny nose or a sore throat, you kind of panic a little bit. It's like, yeah, why? like this is so normal or even getting a niggle. People think that, and, and I always let my clients know it's not the end of the world. You're going to get little things come up. Yes. It's not nice, but mm. don't beat yourself up and say you've gone backwards and use all this language because um, that's life. We're not yeah. just sitting there doing nothing as a human. There's going to be things popping up, but low-level stress can be a superpower. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was actually having a discussion with someone the other day about, yeah, just sometimes the resilience um, that you see or the lack of in some people because we are so conditioned to, oh, you know, bubble wrap life in, yeah. in everything. and. To be honest, like stress is good for you. Working through hard things is really good for you to be able to strengthen willpower and strengthen your trust in yourself that, you know what, Mm. if I can do this, I can do anything Um, because never underestimate your own mental state and the power of the psychology of just believing in yourself. Um, Mm. It's really integral to be able to push through hard times because as you said, Danny, sometimes you might get a little cut or a sore throat or, you know, a niggle along the way and it's the end of the world. And it's just not, it's an opportunity that you need change something to be able to move forward yeah um brilliant yeah i think it's just the relationship that you have with stress because we need to be resilient so we're a species we need to be able to move through things um it's not always about like just managing and and bubble wrapping and pulling back sometimes there's stressful times and you actually just need to push through it to be able Mm. to get to the other side so that you can you know progressively overload uh your body's ability to be resilient at the end of the day Yeah. And then on the other spectrum, you have people that are that addicted to stress that it's weird if there's no stress. And I, I fell into that a little bit and, Mm. you know, um, it is weird having no stress for some people, but you know, we just get used to running off that adrenaline that when we have to stop, we kind of see it as a threat or or that's different. It feels really overwhelming because it feels like there's, there's no motion and you're so used to moving forward. The, the first example I had of that, and I'm sure you did too and everyone listening, was when your exams would finish because oh, you've just spent God. two weeks or whatever amount of time studying, adrenaline, everything's for these exams, and then you come home and the house is really quiet and mm. you don't really have to do anything and it's such a weird feeling. You just yep. have been so used to that adrenaline. Um, so our body 
find and our mind finds a way again to use it to to run off it to to learn to love it but we have to catch ourselves out that yeah long term it's just no good no exactly definitely not definitely not and we've done so many episodes on our nervous system parasympathetic yep. management de-stressing because it's yeah i feel like we're oh, we have, haven't we? <laughs> to, ourselves, <laughs> to ourselves sometimes but amongst all that messaging i know it's the right message that needs to be put out but i then i, yep. I also just wanted to reaffirm stress is not bad stress is going to make you strong um, stress is going to make you better if you can manage it and take it on board and, and see it in a positive frame because mm. as humans we all have something called a negative bias it's where we see something for like less in terms of um you know someone says oh you look great blah 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 blah, and then you take something on and you're like oh so do i not normally look great like we always yes. have a negative bias and we see the cup half empty yeah uh, it's what we naturally do for a survival mechanism um mm. so it's no surprise that when we hear of all the negative things that stress do we can't see it in a positive frame uh, but yeah if that's so true positive frame we can use it to our advantage and manage it better yeah I, I know some people who do that you'd say a compliment and then like what you said they'd turn it around and I call them the advice. Tina Turners oh, I'm like no. Tina's coming back stop yeah. I'm like I'm not ta- here to talk to ta- yeah. I love Tina Turner negative bias negative yeah bias. I call them the Tina Turners it's nice yep. to have a scientific um, name for it but yep. to use your catchphrase with everything and stress the devil's in the dose mm-hmm. there we go I just devil's have to end on that love yeah. that devil's in the dose <laughs> Uh, but we might wrap it up there because somehow we've taken three questions to oh yeah you took the other one off that's all right we'll wrap it up there but we really just (laughs) want to have a bit more of an informal chat and I'm um you know really glad that we sort of went down the realm of having a bit of a discussion about surgeries and some of the mainstream Mm. things that we're seeing in the media at the moment and then obviously leading into a bit about relationships and you know support because Danny and myself have been through a lot, um, very selfish goals, but then selfless uh, to an extent as well. So it is about how you reframe um, those things. And we hope that the advice today was helpful for everyone. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Sometimes it's nice talking about things outside of the box, but here we are to, you know, continue to give advice or knowledge or anecdotes just on all elements of life. At the end of the day, we're two women just in business doing health and fitness, but, you know, we love talking about partners. We love talking about other life stuff too. So thanks for the really good questions, guys. Yeah. And as always, if you did enjoy this episode, please do take a screenshot, uh, tag the Level Up Instagram account, and we'll see you on the internet. (laughs) Thanks, everyone.